are live in Tinseltown for the world premiere of DreamWorks' new Swords and Sandals epic, Gladiator, with a cavalcade of glittering cars bringing a fascinating company of celebrity stars to tonight's gala. And the stars are just arriving, including Hollywood's hottest leading man, Russell Crowe. And on his arm tonight, a fifth of scotch. What a stud. There's Gladiator's leading lady, Connie Nielsen, coming straight off a starring role in The Devil's Advocate opposite Keanu Reeves. I guess you could say Connie's used to working with statues. Gladiator strikes a big triumph for director Ridley Scott, whose previous picture was the Debbie Moore vehicle G.I. Jane. Whoop! More like G.I. Wish I Had Skipped It. Hopping out of a stretch limo is up-and-coming talent Joaquin Phoenix, and already he's lecturing the catering staff about the evils of meat production like they have any fucking say in the matter. It's called a chain of command, Joaquin. Uh-oh, seems as if Russell Crowe has thrown a phone at a photographer. Who brings the landline to a movie premiere? Russell, that's who. Not in attendance tonight is the movie's screenplay, which makes sense since it was never seen on set either. Okay, everyone is starting to file into the Chinese theater. We hope you enjoy today's showing of Gladiator with our special guest comedian, Brett Raybould. Welcome back to The Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies. That's right, Justin. We are just a couple of swords with sandals who like to talk about movies from our childhood that were inappropriate for one reason or another. Like 2000's Oscar-winning Roman epic, Gladiator, starring Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And we are happy to be joined by stand-up comic, podcaster, personal cryptocurrency with two legs, Brett Rabel. Brett, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Pretty, uh, I, I laughed at myself where it's like, if I can't work hard enough to watch The Gladiator, I'm really a lazy piece of <laughs> shit. Do you know what I mean? That was what I was assigned to watch The Gladiator, so. I think I'm still watching Gladiator. That movie's so fucking long. Brett, you keep saying The Gladiator. We all watch the same movie, right? Wait, what, is it just Gladiator? There is a movie called The Gladiator. Oh, yeah, there's also Gladiator where it's like bare-knuckle boxing. Yep, Brian Dennehy. There's no way that's even remotely close to like being the name brand for... I think Gladiator owns both Gladiator and The Gladiator. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, when you win Best Picture, that, that tends to, to cement you as the official Gladiator. Man, I don't even know this movie. Now, now I'm like, The Gladiator, it's called. No, Wiki the, no, the boxing one is also just called Gladiator. Oh, so they're both. But there oh. is a third movie called The Gladiator, I believe. So there are three gla the in parentheses and then Gladiator. Oh wow! And then there's the uh, pro Cunnilingus triple X film Gladiator. Wow! Hello, hello. We're coming in hot. <laughs> wow! Coming in wow. hot. I guess we have to we have to put an E next to this episode. 
Yeah. Anyway, let's let's uh, steer this ship in the right direction. Brett, when we asked you to be on the show, this was the movie that you picked. What is the significance? You watched this as a, a young lad? So, yes, I watched this as probably like a nine or ten, which is too early for this movie. But I was the baby of five, so that's... My dad took me and my brothers, and it's one of those things where he also has to watch me. So he's like, I'm not going to not. And he's like, I want to see this. So that, I think, overrides (laughs) any other concern for it maybe. It is a lot for, like, a nine-year-old to take in. I mean, it's it's like a nine-year-old's, like, dream. It's uh, There's, like, violence and shit, but it's it's a lot. Yeah, that's an endurance tense for a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old. Not only is it, like, violent, but it's also fucking three hours or, you know, (laughs) two and a half. That's a long time. Well, I mean, it's a really good story, and it's truly, like, I I rewatched it, and I was like, this is a masterpiece, but it is unmistakably crazy violent. Mm -hmm. It's the first, like, thing you see 80 seconds in is a decapitated dude and then the yeah. next shot is like a, what, a Germanic barbarian holding up a decapitated dude's head. Even at age eight or nine, I, I had that excitement of like, I definitely shouldn't be allowed to be watching this right now. <laughs> I can remember being like, this is, this is a lot for my age, but it's awesome. That's exactly what you want as a kid. And that opening is pretty awesome. It's awesome. I, I don't think it's I've so seen this awesome. since it came out in, in 2000 because I, I didn't really like it a lot. And I, I definitely have problems with it now. But the opening, opening's good. Pretty solid. It, this movie actually influenced family nicknames for my family. My brother, <laughs> my oldest brother is, uh, at the time, he was probably like a senior in high school. And so after seeing this movie, he ga- I swear to God, he gave himself the nickname Maximus. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I swear, like, I swear. And that was like his name and nickname in the family for a while. Till we all were like, wait, we're not going to call you the, the most like iconic, yeah. cool, <laughs> badass guy. He's like, that's totally me. So I'm Maximus now. Yeah. You're like, as a general rule, you're not supposed to give yourself your own nickname. Right. <laughs> right. You, yeah. you definitely can't just pick like, oh yeah. Anyway, family, can you call me Jesus Christ from now on? <laughs> like, just call me protagonist yeah. uh, and we'll, we'll be done with it. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie. I don't think since 2000. Same. And I remember being so hyped for this movie. Like, I was, like, one of, like, the first big blockbuster and, like, delivered, kind of. Like, it's epic. It is an epic movie. It's not great, like Mike said. There are a lot of problems with it. I don't know what else it was going up against that year for the Oscars, but... Traffic. Oh, did we get up against the traffic? Yeah. Mm. I think I think it was it was the first film since like the fifties to win mm-hmm. Best Picture, but not win Best Script or Best Director. Yeah. And now they do that all the time. Actually, if you guys want to know what it was up against, this isn't for Best Picture, but this is the intro for the Best Actor category, which I actually remember as being very, very funny because, frankly, Steve Martin is the king. A homosexual poet, a drunken artist, a man who has a relationship with a volleyball, a sexual deviant... A guy who likes to wear gladiator outfits. But enough about me. (laughs) (laughs) 
He's the king. Wow. So funny. Oh, but yeah, so it was Quills. It was Pollock. It was uh, Sexual Deviant. I'm not sure <laughs> which one that was. Uh, but, and then Castaway. It was before Nightfalls, Castaway, Pollock, yeah. and Quills. Yeah, and I, I remember a high school friend saying, who I didn't know was a movie buff. Like, he was like a football jock. But apropos of nothing, he just said, Gladiator's the worst movie to ever win a Best Picture Oscar. Ooh, wow. And it's one of those things that really stuck with me. And I think he might be right. No, Green Book is way worse. Yeah, Green, Green Book's Book. worse. Dude, at least Gladiator, you watch and you're like, this is sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'm not as big in, like, the film world. I still felt the <laughs> nine-year-old, like, fuck yeah-ness as I was watching it. And here I'm learning people think it stinks. I thought we were going to come on and be like, it's so good. But I'm excited for this contention that is in will ensue. I, I, I love the idea of thinking of, of Mickey Rooney filling out his Academy ballot going, this movie's sick. No. <laughs> I, I know. I can see where Mickey Rooney going, like, let's see what he got here. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, what the fuck? Gladiator, <laughs> Spartacus. I knew that guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Mickey Rooney was like Crouching Tiger. He's like, I play the Asian characters, pal. <laughs> <laughs> he also saw Shock a lot and was like, nope, they dropped the E. I'm not voting for it. Uh, don't worry, Brett, you're not alone. I have your back. I think this is a very yes. well-structured movie, and I hope that it would be because they went through three different screenwriters and basically like improvised a lot of the scenes on set just to get that script to work. Wow. Really? Yeah. There, there was a lot of contention. Apparently, when uh, when Ridley Scott was pitched this idea. He was like, let me see the script. And they were like, eh, you're not going to like the script. Don't worry about the script. <laughs> Chill out on the script for a little bit. And instead just showed him a photograph of basically a gladiator and then the emperor doing like a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. <laughs> and Ridley was like, my mind's eye sees me not accepting best director, but at least being on stage. It's a go picture. Let's go. Well, but he's such a, a master filmmaker. Yeah. But the, here's the thing. I, I like I said, like, oh, this movie doesn't quite work. But compared to what's made today, this movie is really good. Just back then it was like, ah, I think we we got better movies. But the thing I want to say is like, as a movie, it's fine. It's got some issues. But as like historical document, it's rubbish. Right. Pure rubbish. Yeah. No and way. Is, Disagree. It's no, completely you, historically perfectly <laughs> accurate. Thank you, this, Brett. Thank you for taking <laughs> your, I, I guess, creative opinion. We don't have to argue anymore. We don't have to talk about it. It's sort of, you said it's a sort of accurate. So. Yeah, yeah. End of story. Podcast over, you know? Yeah. No, but continue. Oh, Sorry. no, I was just going to say, like, remember the end of uh, Lincoln when, uh, like, instead of the play, he just, like, goes on vacation to Florida. Yeah. And he skateboards away. <laughs> you know, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved I loved when during the play, Lincoln was like, I can do better than these freaks. And he <laughs> took the mic and he like started beatboxing. Oh, and that's how he created Hamilton. <laughs> it's true. No, but you are right though, Mike. Uh, for one, the character of Maximus is a fabrication. Right. Maximus is basically an amalgam of four different figures. Obviously like Spartacus, who uh, was a slave, turned gladiator and you know many many more but yeah it's I, I i feel like anytime it's a historical drama like this it's so long ago that people go ahead and assume that it's fact right and then there are just like 
history teachers across the United States with heads in hands, just like yeah. shaking their heads. Like, how did they go wrong? I mean, you watch it. And to me, this movie exists in the movie realm. Yeah. Yes. I, I never was like, oh, this is like the historical. Like, I thought it was almost all a fabrication. Mm -hmm. No one watches and goes, oh, wow, I got to look up the story of Maximus. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. they made, we all know they made up Maximus. I think, I think the funniest part is just that it ends with, you know, Maximus, like, making this grand sacrifice and, like, carrying on the tradition of what the hopes of Marcus Aurelius are, like, what his dying wishes were. And then it basically just ends going, like, and I guess it's no longer uh, a dictatorship. I guess the Senate wins. Oh, it doesn't? Well, but the, that's what's funny about it, because Marcus, I mean, this is, like, close to... Inglorious bastards, or once upon a time in Hollywood, of like mm -hmm. I'm just going to do whatever I want with the with the facts. Yeah, but played like, oh, this is how it really happened. And Marcus Aurelius, who's one of the greatest philosophers of all time, one he didn't die this way. He died. They had a plague, which they do mention sort of, mm -hmm. but they had uh, their own pandemic, and he succumbed to that. Yeah, but also it makes me laugh knowing that in this time period in the movie, Maximus kills Joaquin Phoenixus. And then it's like, ah, and Rome is great. No, they, that was the end. They ended yeah. the five emperors, which after that, which is like, that that was just the tail end of the, the empire. Like when it, it all went to shit. So it, it uh, makes sense. Cause you were, if any viewers certainly rooting for Joaquin Phoenix's vision for what Rome <laughs> is meant to be, right? We're all going, oh, this guy, is, this, is, this is my guy. Fuck Maximus. He made some valid points and he's like, gotta drain the swamp. <laughs> hey, those politicians, all they do is connive. I know, and all of his people wearing red hats. It's like, that is so historically inaccurate. Oh man. shit. Make Pretoria great again. They that hat. Oh my god, that's. But what's funny? I do, when I was reading a little bit about it, Ridley Scott tried to make it accurate, and he hired historians who then walked off because they were so mad that the <laughs> oh studios kept changing notes and being like, "Yeah," because like I guess one of the things they were going to put in, which was really interesting, was that the gladiators at the time hawked, yeah, like goods, yeah, like merch, like were like sponsored. Shut. And so up. in the middle, they'd be like, kill someone and be like, "Ah, this death was brought to you by." Vesuvius beans, Vesuvius beans. <laughs> They'll blow you right up. No, that, that sounds like a sketch. But it's it sounds so crazy that when it was in the script, and they were like, no, people don't know that. And so they'll be like, what the fuck did you make up? Yeah. Like, you can't put in things that aren't established anymore. So I get some of the historical accuracies not being in it. Also, like, nobody ever smells. That place must smell like shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's shitting like, in the streets. <laughs> I, I always recommend studying ancient Greek and ancient Romans because they were exactly like us. It's, like, crazy how parallel what they were doing to what we're doing. Like, from their democracy to, like Justin said, yeah, they were all shills. They yeah. Were like, but even they're all just like, it's like on a Sunday, they're all together watching yeah, basically football, you know, like having drinks, like it's this exact same fucking thing. Yeah. They had a, uh, you know, they, because I, I read a similar thing where they actually, they had a scene where they were shooting t-shirt cannons <laughs> into the audience. Yep. <laughs> and they actually, they cut it, they cut it out because they're like, people will think this is bullshit. But the historians were like, no, they really had t-shirt yeah. cannons or toga yeah. cannons, toga cannons. Maroon Sorry. 5 played the halftime show once and they didn't want to put that in. <laughs> which kind of... They have a halftime band. <laughs> um, the one thing I did write down when I did research on this was this must have been a fucking nightmare to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, sure. <laughs> because like, just like Kevin said, they didn't have a solid script. 
this again is when Hollywood would just be like green lighting stuff. And they're like, I haven't even finished printing it out. They're like, who cares? We're rolling in two days. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a finished script. The script that they had, nobody liked. Like Russell Crowe's like, this is all garbage, mate. This is also peak Russell Crowe throwing phones at people and beating up waiters. And- yeah. <laughs> I, I watched a short documentary this morning yeah. called Hellraisers. Yeah. And those actors are the first two actors back to back. Yeah, the Oliver Reed oh, shit is fucking crazy. Which actors? Yeah, it's Oliver Reed who plays Promixio, Promoxio, Prometheus. Uh, Proximo? Pokemon. Proximo, the gladiator, Proximo. like, former, now, like, trainer. Owner. Yeah, pimp. The <laughs> gladiator pimp. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I highly recommend YouTubing Oliver Reed Letterman, because he used to go on Letterman all the time. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, it was contentious, to say at the very least. And then uh, the other one is Richard Harris, who plays Marcus Aurelius. Great actor, but I mean these these guys are from an era which is even bizarre to say out loud of like when actors would be known for getting drunk and starting bar fights and like you know like Gene Hackman would show up somewhere and kick the shit out of everyone <laughs> like, like they're like actors you know like Richard Harris, like they loved fighting they loved uh, it's it's utterly bizarre but they were they were both amazing actors so that's them they're crazy Russell Crowe's crazy this thing cost like so much money. No script. Uh, I'm sure Joaquin Phoenix was no picnic either, you know? Yeah. But then it turned out. How does it turn out? I feel like the editors don't get enough credit. Whoever edited that, that was like, maybe it's in the script to have the flashback at the end and it's kind of cool. But I don't know. Like, whoever edited it, I give them, they're, you know, up there. If it's a mess, they were the one who pulled it together. Yeah, it was two hours and 50 minutes long, but... But I felt like it was a two-hour and 50-minute-long cohesive thing. Yeah. I know it was long, but I'm like, they had to have it all. <laughs> like, yeah, we need this shot of him walking to the place, because else are we going to know he walked to the place? We have to show it to him. Right? Well, I think that's sort of a segue into scenes that make you go, hmm? Scenes that make you go, hmm. Scenes that make you go, hmm. Scenes that make you go, hmm. We're going to play a drop right there, by the way, Brett, and it sounds real cool. It sounds really nice. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can picture it that the audio of it isn't just like we all pause for six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we tried that, by the way. Nobody liked it. Yeah. Um, my overall scene that makes me go, hmm. Scenes that make you go, Is sort of Joaquin Phoenix's whole thing. Yes. What? From beginning wait, to wait, end, wait. all of it. Yeah. So he, he's threatened by Maximus, right? Yes. And in, in, in the end, he's struck down by Maximus because he decides to get into the ring with him. Maximus, is, of course, is the greatest general the Romans ever had. And Joaquin Phoenix has never seen combat. Why not just kill him? I know that the, that makes the credits go up in I know. the first 10 minutes. But it really doesn't make a lot of sense because, you know, the old adage you hear in every sort of Roman epic or whatever and... I just heard it in a Game of Thrones episode. The lion doesn't care what the lamb thinks. But in this movie, the lion cares what all the lambs think. (laughs) Do the lambs like me? Do they they like me? So it's like, he's going to just kill them. No, he had to kill him in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Because if he had done it off state or out of the people's eyes, everyone already hated him and was like, oh, he's like a... You know, he's a wuss, he's a chicken, he sucks. Maximus is the true savior of Rome. Mm -hmm. 
he had to do it in front of everybody. That's why I thought that was like the like I was like, wow, that was a good choice <laughs> to have him pre-stab him because he obviously can't beat Maximus in a fight. I right. mean, he's you know he, he's so cool and manly, and and so he was like, but if he's already bleeding out, he can kind of just like Floyd Mayweather defend here and there. I know what you mean. It still is stupid to challenge the greatest general ever to hand-to-hand combat. A guy who killed, like, 11 lions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely wanted him to take a couple more stabs. Like, don't, don't, go, don't go easy with the old knifey. Uh, let's make sure we're winning this one. But there's only one beat drop that's cinematically impactful of, like, the crescendo as you get the one in. Yeah. You can't keep doing it. Yeah, apparently Commodus, like, one of his big things was that the actual Commodus, not the Joaquin Phoenix one Mm -hmm. is he was the gladiator emperor but it was also it wasn't him that was stabbing these gladiators it was like his guards (laughs) and so he just thought he was the fucking man like he would go in and like kill all these guys they're like oh great job Commodus yeah you've done it again you're the best (laughs) in my mind I thought for some reason that he was already wearing his armor strapped up when he stabbed him Mm -hmm. And so that you didn't see the wound. And I thought it was just between the two of them. I totally forgot that he tells the, that shit bag general, like, cover up the wound. Yeah. Because <laughs> that guy's a fucking D-bag. That guy's, and who fucking lives? Yeah. That guy lives. That's shitty. Well, he probably, St. John Rome, he probably didn't live for that much longer. <laughs> like, for like two more months. Yeah. But it, but that that is one former, he the one who said, like, sheathe your swords. Yes. That one, he was the one who originally betrayed him, right? Yes, yeah. Quintus. 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 That is a very betrayee name, Quintus. <laughs> but it was like, wasn't that also like at the at the final moment he chose to do the right thing? Yeah. But then it was like, oh, Russell Crowe is even more manly. He threw his sword down because he believes it's wrong to have a weapon on another man. Yeah. So he beat him with his fist. Yeah, they had a dance-off. They had a Britney-Justin Timberlake dance-off. <laughs> Because those were big in 2000. I also, I also don't even think Quintus was really being that noble. He was just like, dude, what are you talking about? The sword's right there. This guy's stumbling around. He's like reaching out to his dead wife. Like, go ahead and pick up the fucking sword and do something. He did have a look on his face. He's like, he's like, you mean that one right there? Like, just, just, just get it. Yeah. You're, you're closer to it. Yeah. He's stumbling, my man. You want me to walk over there and get it? You, you bend over and grab it. That leads me to my scene that makes me go, hmm. Seems to make you go, hmm. Which is, it's basically the ending, that last fight, because he kills him pretty easy and pretty fast. It's kind of a letdown of a, you know, of a final showdown Mm -hmm. of a boss battle yeah Yeah. it's just kind of like oh yeah you were this pussy the entire time (laughs) but then which leads me to like another thing of like the which mike brought up about joaquin and his whole thing the end he's just bad that from beginning to the end right like he's just evil there's no turn and i was wondering if there was like in another version of it of the script or or something because he um you see the color drain in his face from beginning to the end of the movie Mm mm-hmm like, by the end of the movie, he looks, like, syphilitic. Yeah. And, like, he's, like, remember, he can't, like, he hasn't slept and he just looks awful. And I was, like, is that what they're also trying to say? Is, like, he's suffering from something, like, mental and, like. I Possibly. I think when you said, uh, was it in, like, an earlier part of the script, in my head, I just saw pages flying, some <laughs> script 
coordinator would be like, I can't keep up. Like, we've co- constantly rewritten this thing. And it's like Russell Crowe's had five Guinnesses and he's got, he wrote it like eight pages. We've now got to sneak into the schedule. Yeah. I, I think he even said like, to the guy, like, your lines are garbage. He said that to the writer. Yeah. Oh, he did. Which he said it, but the line that actually is the one line in it that's not garbage when he was like, uh, it's the... He says, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Yeah, Sick. that's, that's, a good that's line. actually not bad. Yeah, it's great. The rest of it stinks, but that's pretty good. What, how does the rest of it stink? Are you not entertained? That is cool. <laughs> that is cool. I thought it was later in the movie, and then it was like in the first 50 minutes. I was like, oh, I yeah. thought I was going to have to wait. I just think the movie, the script is not good. Everything else is, is top-notch. Again, you have great actors. Like Brett said, there's great technicians. It's just the script is... Uh... Well, I think that the script that, that surprised me about hearing that there was so much drama behind the scenes, the script is so basic. Like, it's so, like, hits all the beats in the order they need to be hit. I feel like there's no, like, curveball story-wise. Oh, there is. Like, the the fact that he he is basically launching this attack because he realizes that he can escape. The I, I think the big surprise is that the Emperor is able to see the the little underdoings and stamp down on it. Just when you think Maximus is going to leave, get the army and have a full frontal assault, instead, like, all is lost. Like, that. that's a great turn. But even then, you know that's coming because you look at your watch and you go, there's another fucking 45 minutes of this movie. <laughs> We're not going to watch 45 minutes of credits. Even when Russell Crowe dies, I looked at my watch, I was like, there's 12 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched, did you guys watch the extended version too? No. Or I was like, what the fuck is in this movie that's not in the original? Right. Oh, shit. But just more Terrence Malicky shots. I think just from a standpoint, if you if you look at this, it's essentially Ben Hur and Spartacus smashed together. Mm-hmm. But but it doesn't have any of those movies like iconic type scenes, like the chariot race. Oh, it does. No, it does. The thing is, it's not iconic to to you because you know those scenes. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You just you just broke my brain with that. There's what, well, but I mean, it's like there's a jillion people who've who've never seen Ben Hur. Mm. and don't know that those are iconic scenes. And to them, iconic scenes are from Gladiator. Yes. The fucking fighting the lions is iconic. Mm. Yes. Like yeah. him fighting the dude at the end is iconic. Like Also, him decapitating the guy with like yes. double double yeah. sword slicing, which was uh, Russell Crowe's idea. He apparently like came up to Ridley and he was like, I don't know, at the end of this fight, I, I, I feel like I should decapitate this dude. And Ridley was like, that's not something you could just do. Yeah. You can't <laughs> you can't just cut off a guy's head. You have to like check to make sure it's gonna get by the sensors. You're like, we have an art department to think about. And like he's like, no, check it out. This is the motion. I'm already doing this. And then I got two swords and I do this. And Ridley like thought about it. And then he turned over to art department and he said, how many heads we got left? <laughs> By the way, this is two years into like Russell Crowe's career. Yeah. The fucking nuts on him to be like oh, stepping yeah. onto this set and being like, this is how we're going to do it. This is what set him off, right? It was like. I mean, LA Confidential was before this. And then he did The Insider. He was nominated mm-hmm. for Best Actor the year before this. Uh, he got real fat and then he got real skinny. But yeah, the the balls of this dude, like besides telling the screenwriter that his lines are shit, but I'm the greatest actor in the world and I can even make shit sound good. Yeah. He also told one of the producers, Branko Lustig, 
who is a Holocaust survivor. Oh, can't wait to see where this is going. <laughs> Here it comes. Well, no, it's not It's not Holocaust-y, don't worry. No. Uh, but, like, he told a 77-year-old Holocaust survivor, you motherfucker, I will kill you with my bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> he has got bravado yeah. at the very least. Wow. Which is what you needed to be this role. Yeah. You, it's yeah. like yes. the same ness that allows... You know, like Terrell Owens, like that same cockiness is what allowed him to be great. That's what's Russell Crowe, that allowed him to be great yeah. in this movie, was that he's a dick off on set. Yeah, he's the wide yeah. receiver of actors. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. Yeah. Also, my my scene that made me go, hmm, uh, so we can wrap this segment up. Scenes that make you go, huh. Is right at the beginning where, like, Joaquin Phoenix just kind of shows up ready for the victory. And he's like, we did it, everyone. Good job. And, like, the emperor is just like, hey, you you saw it. All of your praise should go to Maximus. And he says, I shall sacrifice a hundred bulls in your honor. And it just, like, reminds me so much of when the person who doesn't make the most money in the relationship buys their spouse a gift uh, from their joint account. Just like, like, those are those 100 bulls are not coming out of your wallet, my man. Uh, those are the emperors. Yeah. Like, he owns everything in this land. I have a um, one, one last, it's not a scene that made me go, hmm, it was, a, it's a, we don't have a drop for this, but it was, uh, a, what did I just hear? What did I just hear? I think I... Do you? Oh, I I hope so. I rewound this twice. I've got one too, so I hope it's this one. At one hour and five minutes, some of the characters are sort of, they're all at the Coliseum and and the Emperor's there and stuff. I swear to God, I heard one of the extras yell, pizza, pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a bit. And I rewound it twice and it fucking sounds like somebody went, pizza, pizza. Little Caesar, that's why. Oh, my God. Pizza, pizza. Maximus the Merciful uh, offers two-for-one deals on (laughs) carryout. He's hopped and ready. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Was that what you thought you heard? No, I just thought the phrase queer giraffes was like, they probably didn't need to say queer giraffes. (laughs) That was what Proximo got mad at some guy for selling him. Some queer giraffes. Yeah, they just walk around. They don't mate or anything. They're not fucking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I thought that language was beautiful. Also, uh, a detail from that scene, again, Oliver Reed just being like a boisterous asshole. <laughs> right before the scene, he asked the other actor, he was like, are, uh, are you a method actor? And then uh, just grabbed his balls, like full, <laughs> got a fist full of balls. I'll tell you, these guys were great. Again, he th- like threatened Letterman on the air. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he like broke a dude's back. Yeah, they were they were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote I wrote down a bunch of Richard Harris stories, if anyone wants to hear some. Yeah, please. They're great. Yes, please. Apparently, directors would always add like at least a week to his schedule just because he would either show up drunk or uh, he would be hung over. He had open disdain for many of his co-stars. He said that Marlon Brando, his famous like eye-narrowing head tilt, uh, was just trying to read cue cards. Uh, Oh, my God. So he's like basically a bad actor. He said Charlton Heston that he'd played in Shakespeare and to listen to him, you'd think he'd help the bard with his rewrites. Uh, He was a prick, really, and I hate tackling pricks. (laughs) 
He said of Tom Cruise that he's got very nice teeth, but has he ever read a book? (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't have nice teeth. No, he's got a middle tooth. He had to get him fixed, right? Yeah. Apparently, he told a story on the Johnny Carson show that was like when he was playing Macbeth, he hated the lead character. He hated the guy playing Macbeth. And his big line was like, as the doctor who comes on and says, the queen, my lord, the queen is dead. And that launches him into like the famous tomorrow, tomorrow speech. But he hated this guy so much that like when he got his cue, instead of saying the queen is dead, he just said, oh, don't worry. She's fine. She'll be up in about in 10 minutes and left the stage. <laughs> wow, that's a, how did they finish that show? Exactly. Yeah. I have it. <laughs> you just keep going, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> he also said he got thrown out of a bar in London and wasn't quite done drinking. And the only place he could get a drink was to board a train to Leeds. Oh my God. <laughs> and so he just like got off the train stumbling around, saw a lit window, threw pebbles at it. And a lady answered and was like, what do you want? And he said, a drink. And she was like, oh, Richard Harris, come up. And he stayed there for four days and he remembers none of it. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah. It goes nicely into Mike's constant segment. Man, they used to have fun back then. Used to to have a good time. That was just, that was called a good time back then. But yeah, later on, he got super into cocaine in addition to like all the vodka. But it was because a doctor told him, hey, you can't drink so much. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll try drugs. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. he like, he overdosed and a Catholic priest was sent to take his confessional. And he like came to and he was like, listen, if you want me to confess, pull up a chair because it's going to take a long time. And when I'm done, you're going to wish you hadn't taken that vow of celibacy. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're going to want to fuck me. Hell yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Richard Harris, we salute you. It's insane. Richard Harris like was being interviewed by a journalist and he was boasting about how much he how much he drinks and he said there's the there's a bar in New York whenever he lands he goes there and the bartender just lines up six double vodkas and the guy was like that's bullshit and he said call a cab they went to this bar he walked in and he said the usual and sure enough six double vodkas he just pounded three of them and then just kind of like made his way through the other three that's like and and he's like and then uh he said i pounded three made my way through the other three uh in the next 20 minutes (laughs) also australians are so tacky it was probably like a tgi friday in times square He's like, let's get him, mate. him up, mate. Lawn him up. Lawn him up. Let's go to the Outback. So we talked about how there were three different writers for this movie. Did you guys read at all about the original book that this was based on? Nope. Uh, I saw it. I didn't read it, though. I found this fascinating. It's the 1958 book, Those About to Die. It's written by Daniel Pratt Mannix IV, who has done... So many different things. He was an author. He was a journalist. He was a photographer. He was a sideshow performer. He was a stage magician, an animal trainer, and a filmmaker. Apparently, there was like a long time in his life where he was a sword swallower and a fire eater in a traveling carnival sideshow. He performed under the name The Great Sadma. 
He was also a professional hunter. And so they brought him in for like zoos and circuses to like bring them wildlife. He also wrote The Fox and the Hound. Oh, wow. wow. Fox and the Hound is my favorite Disney movie of all time. (laughs) It's the best Disney movie uh, that they've ever made. It's uh, top five for me, easy. The other fascinating thing that I read about this movie, maybe you guys heard, uh, if you're WTF listeners with Mark Marin, this was revealed a couple years ago. There was a sequel that was in the works for a while, mm-hmm. and th- there still might be. There's a current sequel in the works that is going to follow the the emperor, like the, the new son, mm. Lucius, I think, in his reign like 20 years later. But originally, our dear friend Russell Crowe, in all of his egomania, was like, I don't know, this made me a lot of money. I feel like if there's a sequel, I would very much like to be in this sequel. Yes. <laughs> and so... He talked to his good friend, Nick Cave, of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Mm-hmm. Cool. And he was just like, hey, write me a sequel for Gladiator. And Nick Cave was like, uh, yeah, I, I can. Don't you die at the end of it? And he said, that's for you to work out. I'm the, gra- I'm the greatest actor of all time. <laughs> yeah. I can make illogical things work. So uh, the script that Nick Cave worked on, knowing that Russell Crowe's character dies, it follows him to purgatory, and there is a Christ-like character down on Earth who's gaining popularity, and many of the gods are dying, so they send Gladiator back to Earth to kill this Christ figure and all of his followers. Originally, that was going to be Lucius, but then they were like, no, it's too sad that he kills the kid that, like, was a fan of him. So instead, they, in a baffling choice, chose it to be Maximus's son, mm. who also comes back. And so it's like the the trickster gods are playing tricks on him. But Nick Cave called it Gladiator 2 Christ Killer. Oh my God, dude. Damn, I'm so on board. That sounds like such a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It gets crazier. So like he, he goes to stop this Christ figure. Then he becomes an eternal warrior. It ends with a 20-minute war sequence that goes through all of the wars in history. So, like, it ends with the Vietnam War. What the the f- immortal Russell Crowe arrives in a World War II tank wow. and uh, shows up at the Pentagon. What? Yeah. When asked about it, Ridley Scott said, it was a pretty good idea. <laughs> I've always, I gotta say, I've always wanted to have that gig yeah. where you get hired to write a movie that you mm-hmm. know is never going to get made. And just fucking yep. see what happens. Also, not to sound again like Dr. Professor, but there would have been no purgatory for these guys. Yeah, the concept. Like purgatory yeah. was something that the Vatican II made up. You know what I mean? Like, it right. wasn't like a thing for them. So they wouldn't have had right. any idea oh, what that was. So, yeah. That's so <laughs> funny. That wasn't in their religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that just sounds awful. I also once got mad at Nick Cave uh, at a burrito stand. <laughs> at Tacos to Madre in Los Feliz. Sure, we all have. Because he, he he did a pet peeve of mine. He was letting his kids order, oh. which I'm very against. That's <laughs> I I think that's a good philosophy because they yeah. take forever and they ask the dumbest questions. Yeah, it's too adult of a transaction. Yeah. Although, based off of the energy of this podcast, I'm inclined to just disagree with you. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes. Three, three shaking heads, but I know I'm no, right. So. <laughs> I, I, I do agree with you that you are the translator because they're dumb kids 
who's are idiots. So you just translate it. What do you want? You lean down, they say thing, and then you you just do it quickly. I, I, Nick Cave is an asshole for letting his kids order. <laughs> Until you're like my I, my kids are six, or my daughter's about to be six, and my son's four, and they're barely to the age where you can they kind of know what they want. You know what I mean? Where you're like, yeah, this is what they have: a hot dog, corn dogs, hamburger, mac and cheese. Which one do you want? Right. And I say they're 20 years away from knowing that decision. <laughs> yeah, for, for Mike, the age of consent, and we're talking about uh, what you're getting at a restaurant, is 24 years old. <laughs> so Nick Cave kind of, is he a screenwriter? He did have one picture made. Really? I, he is not known as a screenwriter. Uh, when I saw the name Nick Cave, I had to double check that it was, in fact, the one sure. who has those bad seeds. None worse than the kids who order incorrectly. Yeah. But yeah, apparently he he fancied himself a screenwriter after one. And it's exactly like Mike said. It's just he he had no illusions that this would be made, but it's, <laughs> boy, was it a ride to write. <laughs> it's insane. I, yeah, I think the trick in those situations is write something super incoherent that they're like, you need to do another pass because then you're like, okay, you got to pay me again. Well, I, I think what's funny about it is there there was no discussion that I saw online of him getting paid for this. It was more he's really good friends with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe was like, hey, write that. And he did. And he showed it to Russell Crowe. And he's like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> then he was like, oh, really? What about the ending? He's like, nah, I hate it, mate. <laughs> like, that's that's where it stopped. Yeah. It's like he set it up. Like, Russell Crowe was like, you know, Titanic's a big hit. Why don't you try and look Maximus all that, you know? Titanic 2, it's in space now. Let's do it. Ridley, you made a spice movie once, didn't you? Ah. <laughs> uh. Wow, we haven't even talked about incest. Wow, this whole time. That, yeah. Well, this is your your normal topic. Do you want to go down to incest corner? No, it's just interesting that we we didn't talk about like that. That was a weird thing in the movie, but never really comes to fruition. I, I don't know. I I thought it was pretty hot. I don't know what you guys thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm out and out into incest, dudes. Uh, no, I'm kidding. This is uh, you know, uh, it. It did feel narratively thrown in there to just make you dislike Joaquin even more. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like they, it's like a shot of him strangling a kitten. Like, we, we get it. He's already the villain. They don't need to add in that he's, like, trying to bang his sister. His older sister. His, like, 10-year-older Ten sister. 10-year-older. It's weird. Though she is yeah. insanely gorgeous. She is hot. So. Mm-hmm. I, I had a very unique experience watching this incest taking place because it's definitely like set up in a creepy manner where you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. But I had the opposite reaction where I'm just kind of watching it and just being like, well, at least this part is historically accurate. Yeah. This kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. happened all the time. His farm had a lot of biodiversity, huh? Yeah. He had like most... <laughs> Most farms, they don't dedicate themselves to one kind of cash crop. He named like 11 different outputs. Mm-hmm. He was like, we got... He was also doing pretty well. <laughs> that was a big Dude, place. you know Maximus came from a good... He came from a rich family, man. Come on. Yeah. Also, like, uh, he's the only farmer who only has one son. Yeah. Like, yeah, really. <laughs> if you're going to have if you're gonna have that many crops, uh, yeah. like, start pumping, my man. Uh, you you got to get people to run those fields. I also feel like, I don't know why you're so keen to get back to your son. You probably haven't seen him since you fucked your wife. <laughs> like, it's been like, you've been at war for like 
like eight years. Yeah, I'm guessing. You don't even know the kid. There's no photos he can look at. Like a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Also, I I have one one more question. And it's just that, like, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Commodus, was very confident hearing uh, that Maximus is dead. They sent seven different guys really far away, as far as they could go, before <laughs> killing him at dawn. None of them came back. How do you have any confidence? Also, like, who who are you stringing the wife and kid up for if you don't think he's... <laughs> Like going to make it. Yeah. That is a great point, man. That mm-hmm. that actually might be one of the biggest like gaps in the logic, the narrative logic of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big one. The only other thing I could think of, and this is just a scene that made me laugh a lot, was Joaquin Phoenix talking to Lucius. What's the young kid? Yeah, Lucius. Ludicrous. Ludicrous. Um, <laughs> and I think this is a finally a, a a good example of like the ah, the script kind of stinks. When he's like he's holding him, and he's like, one day, I will uh, tell you the story of Claudius, and then proceeds to tell him the story of Claudius. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, now you're gonna tell me now. Well, I'm gonna tell you now, but just Cliff Notes version. I'll really get into <laughs> it another time. Yeah. I'll do voices and everything next time, but I'm just this is the the bare bones here. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this from memory. I'll take some notes. Uh, no, I thought you were going to talk about just the fact that, like, the future heir of the fucking throne is allowed just to go up to, like, these animals' cages. Like, the right. the guy who is only known for killing everyone is able to get within gripping distance. Like, uh, yeah. he, he basically says, hey, your hands are huge. They could crush a skull. And jokingly, he says, I could crush a child's skull. But he's not kidding. That, like... <laughs> That's the future throne that could have died. There's a little bit of that throughout this of because I wrote down the note regarding Russell Crowe, which is like, man, for a slave, dude is out and about on the town. Yeah. <laughs> Cable boys. Now it is time for our heralded segment. That's right. Everyone's a critic where we find a negative Amazon review of this movie and then we see what else they reviewed. Our review this week comes from David Durbin. David Durbin gives this one star. David Durbin wrote, poor plot slash script, but the acting slash special effects Stank. <laughs> what? Wait, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. I, I thought he was going to redeem it a little bit, and then he was yeah. like, yeah, this guy, I wonder if he uses and as a but. Let's, uh, let's see how this guy <laughs> critiques screenwriting. Yeah, it's one star. There's no saving it. Uh, it is most sad that so many people wasted their time on such a vapid film. They tried very hard to make it seem deep through the use of dream imagery and excessive computer wizardry. <laughs> it was impossible to ignore the phoniness, particularly in the Colosseum battles with tigers and the giant in the gold mask. It was way too obvious that extreme close-ups, swirling camera movement, and overly zealous Foley sound effects were intended to disguise the truth, which was that nothing real was happening. Wow, that guy 
Man, yeah. he went to film school to write that review, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was trying so hard. I love when you can tell someone's trying to sound, they're sm yeah. smarting it up in their review. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. Nothing's better than dummies trying to come off as smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and th this, segment, <laughs> this segment usually is uh, that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm fine yeah. with someone giving it one star. Like uh, it's you mm -hmm. know it's so everyone can perceive it differently. But it it is clear when he's really trying to add in the I don't know just that mm, I I'm good. <laughs> I didn't like it. Therefore, the script's done. <laughs> I guarantee you, every uh, Amazon review person who's been on this show is an anti-masker. <laughs> Everyone. Well, they haven't reviewed any masks so far. I know. So <laughs> that holds up. You're kind of right. Because you're kind of a... Have you guys ever filled out a review of a movie on... No. Especially Amazon? No. I'm like, in inherently the act of doing that is idiotic. Yeah. So you're, it does follow that an idiot would be writing these things because they're not valuing their time. Right. They're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't value their life, so you're right. They are probably thoroughly anti-mask and no, or yeah. their, their, their wife's in the car going like, we need to go. Dinner's now. They're like, I need to write this review. <laughs> Jesus like, fucking on, Christ. Deborah, <laughs> leave me alone. What's a semicolon again? <laughs> Shift, control. But speaking of wasting life, what did he give five stars to? So after David Durbin gave this one star, David Durbin gave five stars to Jägermeister <laughs> wristbands. Arrest my case. <laughs> Jägermeister wrist? Wait, what? Wristbands. <laughs> not even the drink? No. Not even the drink. Fucking wristband? A, like a wristband he got for free at like a concert or something? Fucking swag? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> David Durbin wrote... Although not intended for this purpose, I use them on my sore wrist during cold weather. Arthritis. Wow. What? Wow. Yeah. To, for what? His arthritis? Because he gets cold wrists? Just to warm up his wrist. How a band cannot, is not going to... It's going to do nothing. I, I, have, I have no idea what he's talking about. It's, it's not going to warm your wrist up, and it's not going to act as like a... Uh, a brace of any sort. Well, it gives a little bit of compression, a little. I'm not defending David Durbin. No, like, no, I, Kevin is now by proxy our representation yeah. of David Durbin. <laughs> and we, yeah. we throw all of our shade onto you for reading it. I just feel like he's leaving out the main reason why he does it. Like he was like, oh, they'll know why. When we know he has arthritis. Yeah. Maybe he's just jealous of the mobility Maximus has with his wrists. <laughs> and so he's like, he just is, he's just bitter and at home. Well, I, let, let me ask you this, Kevin. Is okay. there a picture of it? Because I'm picturing, like, again, the, the thing you get at a concert that's sponsored by Jägermeister. Right, yeah. Is it like, like a... Like sweatbands? Yeah, like a sweatband? Yeah, they're, oh, they're just sweatbands with the Jägermeister logo on oh, it. Oh, that makes a little more sense. But also, he's an idiot. See? David, that's yes. how you use yes. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love the details. I love the glimpses, just slight glimpses of his existence yeah. he gives oh. us. Every week we get that. We get a, a nice little glimpse into the life of someone we never want to meet. I think you should invite one of these people to be a guest. Get David Durbin on the horn and, <laughs> and, just, and, and see what David Durbin comes up with. I wonder what David Durbin's... Movie that kind of scarred him or really left a in a mark as a kid. I could tell you that it actually scarred him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like whatever it was, really actually scarred. Yes, him. it was the other gladiator. Cable boys. 
Should we should we head on down to Pop Corner? Sure, we can. What is yes. Pop Corner, Post? Uh, Pop Corner is where we give our reviews based around popcorn, but they're generally nonsensical. Yes. We give a film one to five popcorns, but they're specified popcorns. This ain't your average Jiffy Pop. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off. I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to give this movie three and a half popcorns. Wow. All right. Right? It's all, it's on the, the decent side of the popcorn scale. But what that means to me is that this movie is like like a big giant TV campaign for this new type of popcorn. It's like flavor blasted popcorn. And you're gonna be like jizzing in popcorn buckets as soon as it tastes your mouth. You're not gonna like it's gonna oh, be awesome. That's awesome. And then you get it and you're like, I didn't jizz. Mm. It's not that buttery. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. Yes, it is huge. But you kind this is of FDA approved. You kind of let me down. No, you have to get this. This is like, uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the dark web. It's yeah. dark web. It's a dark web popcorn. I know a guy where you can get some jizz popcorn. <laughs> I mean, I'll fucking supply it. Even the price is right. <laughs> yeah, and, and at the end, you drive a tank after you eat this popcorn. Wow, Justin's been downright filthy this episode. A guy with kids. You know? Uh, I'm going to give this one bowl of popcorn uh, that you're eating while you're uh, channel surfing. And you're like, you're just kind of indiscriminately going through all the channels. And it's like uh, the Passion of the Christ. Uh, It's like the History Channel, how did the Romans build the aqueducts? Uh, Then it's like uh, an old episode of Tour of Duty in like Vietnam. And then uh, the American Revolution. You're like, this would make a good movie. And I, I mean that like all those shows you watched. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to sit down and write the epic that starts in Christ and ends at 9-11. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this four and a half bags of popcorn. Wow. That are in Whoa. Joaquin Phoenix's trailer. Because he thinks that as the emperor, he should be, like, fat and feasting. And so when they started filming it, he was, like, really porking it on. And then people came up to him and they were like, hey, Joaquin, you're getting fat. And he's like, yeah, it's sort of a character thing. And they were like, stop that. And uh, so he stopped. And that's why he looks all gaunt and sickly at the end of it. (laughs) I'm giving it two popcorns down. (laughs) Now, the reason is, I think I learned from this episode, we didn't get into it as much as I did when my interest was like, oh, what? And it was about the thumbs up, thumbs down. Right. I heard... Who mentioned that it was like that's not historically accurate? It's it's the it's opposite. Yeah. It was the opposite. Yes, you're saying in real history, mm-hmm. if you give someone a thumbs down, that that's means good. They would they would live. They would live. And if you gave them a thumbs up, it means to kill them. Thumbs thumbs down uh, signified sheathing your sword, mm-hmm. and thumbs up meant sword drawn. So it's what? Uh, yeah. See, because it sounds opposite. Right. That sounds crazy to us, but we're not. I mean, this bad. We're not a bloodthirsty society. Mm. So thumbs up meant shows on. 
Yeah. You know, like, like mm-hmm. here comes the entertainment. We we didn't we didn't get raised on people massacring each other and getting eaten by tigers. We just read reviews from that little bitch Ebert and his buddy Siskel <laughs> going like, this is what a thumb needs. <laughs> I, I see, because I, I actually like the idea of a scene where Joaquin does he does the waiver, he does that clutch waiver and then thumbs down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so he kills him and he's like, No, what were you doing? And then they just have to have this like, I thought you meant kill. Like down yeah. means it's bad. Yeah. Take us. We changed it. No, no, no. Yeah, no. We we never be- <laughs> Thumbs up is cool now. Fonzie, Fonzie. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh my bad. I, I was trying to do a Fonzie Maximus. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't get it. Maximus Fonzarellius. Yeah, I couldn't get it out of out of my brain fast enough. There's also something really funny about like when when he when he does the down to kill him. He does a slight. And then he, yeah. And then yeah. Maximus, mm-hmm. like, doesn't kill him. And, like, they have, like, two seconds to to decide whether they like that or not. And w- <laughs> one guy who is basically, like, Jeff Tierdeck on Twitter, like, the first guy to respond to Trump's tweets is just like, Maximus the Merciful. And everybody's like, hell yeah, that's his name. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, there was a, one other person was a millisecond away from going, you pussy. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was a, it could have been gone either way, whether he was a badass for not killing or... Or a, or a bitch, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> Do you guys think the Romans at all were like, hey, how did the general of our army that conquered everybody, how did he become a slave? Did, no, nobody has questions? Okay, we'll just go along with it. I think they, yeah, they just told, they told everyone like Maximus had an old tweet that they went through <laughs> and uh, everyone was like, oh yeah, I'm not even gonna look it up. I just, I, I trust that. We, we found a scroll you wrote 10 years ago. When you're when you're asked to host and <laughs> yeah. said some shit about if your if your son wanted to get into theater, how you'd beat his head over with the sword and the sandal. Maximus uh, seemed like a, a pretty normal guy, but they found some weird queer giraffe bestiality porn on his computer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Brett, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Thank and, you uh, for picking this movie and. Uh, where can we direct people? Do you have things you want to plug? I, I mentioned it just briefly, but the man has his own cryptocurrency. That's right. Wow. You want to wow. give a quick pitch of that? Yeah, I'm the world's first publicly traded comedian. So if you think I'm funny, you should buy <laughs> in at brettcoin.org. If you think I'm not funny, you can short it and bet against the market. And so that that you can buy into. Uh, people say it's going to go to the moon. I mm-hmm. say it's not ambitious enough. It's going to the sun. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, lots of exciting things are in the works on that. I have an hour special on YouTube too. So mm-hmm. it's called Brett Ray Retires from Comedy. Check it out if you're interested. Yeah, it's and good. that's 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 enough. What if I just promoted for 45 minutes? <laughs> well, we might bring this into two episodes, but yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll like, do a two-part episode, but the part two is just hearing someone's plugs for <laughs> just 45 minutes. Yeah. You, you also have a podcast called Just the Plugs, correct? I do have a podcast called Just the Plugs. I'll have you guys on. Maybe the first triumvirate episode. Oh, whoa. we'd be honored. We would yeah, give that a thumbs down. Yes, right? Am I thank doing that you. right? You did it. Yeah, I think you did. A historically accurate thumbs down. (laughs) Well, that's been it for the Cable Boys. Uh, Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cable Boys Pod. We are produced by Kyle Neal. Our theme song is by Casey Trela. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go to there 
and go ahead and subscribe and rate us five stars because quite frankly, that was a five-star episode. And if you don't think so, then we're going to sick a tiger uh, right up your urethra. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Strength and honor, guys. Strength and honor. Strength and honor. Okay, that's it. Bye. Bye. Yeah, suck it, David Durbin. <laughs>